All right, welcome everyone. Sorry, uh, we had issues with the uh, the scheduled one. I've, that's happened to me twice before where it wouldn't it wouldn't let me start it. So I had to send out a new link. Thank you guys so much. So let's let people get in and give it a minute and we'll get it started off here. So do we need to send out a different link though? We're just nonstop, baby. Every day, (laughs) all day. (laughs) Exclusive, if you you go to the top, you could just retweet this one. This is the new one. Yeah, because the original one, yeah, it, it just bombed out on me. I'm like, what the heck? Well, well, well. (laughs) My man. What's up, guys? Good evening. Good evening. I'm at work. I'm about to get started here, but I'm listening in to y'all. Bro, you got to let me know what strip club you work at so I can come. <laughs> look, hey, look it up. It's called the library. Oh my lord! It's a strip club called the library. <laughs> club apple juice. <laughs> oh yeah, club Capri Sun. <laughs> Those things used to piss me off, man. I could never get the straw in there just right. Dude, I know. Now I just drink my kids. Yep. You don't need a straw for bourbon. That's right. I heard that. Not with the children, of course. I'll give a few more minutes. A couple of people get in here, you know. Some people like to arrive late. Fashionably, of course. Yeah. We'll, we'll give it probably like two minutes and then... um. Yeah, I'll do the intro and you you could kick it off. Uh, so I know, unfortunately, like they're probably going to the first link looking for what what happened. And I saw after I got off, Amazon finally broke out of that stupid wedge. Didn't really do much, but. <sighs> yeah, it was all the wedges that finally broke. All right. Well, I think we have enough uh, people that are getting in. So just kind of a recap on these educational spaces. Um, yeah, we, our feature speaker today is our very own exclusive. He's on the live trading. Um, he's kind of kind of go over, um, you know, his, his setup. And I guess you uh, you wanted to discuss, you know, like your TA approach and how you identify relative strength in the market. 
Um, so obviously with that, I'll let you, you know, I'm, I'm, you have way more followers than a lot of people here, but I'm sure, you know, for those that may not be familiar, maybe you could kind of talk about yourself first and, and let them know how you got into trading and um, I'll let you kick it off. Yeah, sure. I appreciate it. Good evening, everybody, or morning, night, whatever, wherever you are in the world, because I know there's people all over the world trading with us, so it's a beautiful thing. Um, so obviously my alias is exclusive. Um, some people call me X. Some people call me Options Master. That's what I might go by on Discord. But um, I've been trading for almost 11 years now. I started off with 10 grand, lost most of my money, took a, took a few months, and then decided to take a few years and learn. So that's when I started reading all the legacy books, listening to audio books is when they were first kind of catching on. And then, um, you know, just decided to take a step back because I do what 90% of traders in the current market, uh, market do to sabotage themselves. So on some of the things I'm going to go over, hopefully, if I can help at least 10 people, uh, my mission will be accomplished. Um, so... You know, the first thing I'll kind of go into is um, the technical approach. Now, before I go into detail, please understand that technicals and fundamentals are subjective. You can read a graph wrong or a chart wrong. You can have an indicator that's inaccurate because there's not enough volume. And there's a lot of things that can invalidate a thesis intraday. Now, if you're an investor, and you're waiting for three to five years for something to play out, that's a completely different story. That's a different mindset, different strategy. Everything has to be different. So step one, you need to decide what kind of trader you are. Are you a trader or are you an investor? Those are two completely different things. Um, so from there, you know, I want to kind of focus on my technical approach and what I do um, as a routine. So like right now, you know, I took a little break, came back on started going through charts, looking for relative strength after hours. And what am I seeing as far as relative strength? I'm seeing a lot of bio and healthcare names um, performing after hours. So in order to do that, you have to have your watch lists. Now I have every single day, I'll make a watch list based on what's performing with volume, not just up. Something could be up 60% and have 400,000 shares traded. I'm looking for the relative strength. That means high volume, high price change in either direction. And it's more buyers than sellers or more sellers than buyers. So when you're looking at volume or dark pulled, you have to be able to differentiate the difference between who's buying more and who's selling more. So with that being said, right now I'm looking at the after hours gainers. So, you know, you, you see names like um, Outbrain, Dario Health, things that are up over 10%, some names like EXAS, that's up 23% after hours. And I kind of shift over to the market cap. How easily can the market cap be influenced with big money? So that's why you see almost every day, there's at least five to 10 um, low market cap names, not necessarily low floats, but low market caps that have a, um, outperforming percent changes from open and for the day. So once you've identified something that looks attractive, we're not making a plan yet. We're not making any moves during the day. If you see something during the day, right now we're just trying to narrow the focus, you know, cause 
you know, at any given moment, you could be looking at a thousand different tickers across 20 different watch lists, right? So you want to narrow that down, especially if you're a newer trader, you should only be trading one to three stocks anyways, but you want to narrow it down. So once you've narrowed it down, you want to look at um, peer groups and competitors. And what I mean by the peer groups is, so like if you're looking at um, an energy name, you know, and energy as a, as a whole, you have two different sub-industries. You have oil, gas, and consumable fuels, and you have energy equipment and services. Those two sub-industries combined make the energy sector. Each of those sub-industries have their own sub-industry. So when you're looking at, let's, we'll use oil and gas um, exploration and production. Those tickers maybe perform, they might have individual performers, and then you can take your pick out of those. So to just be focusing on um, three different tickers in three different sectors, you're doing yourself a disservice because it's, e it's not as easy to identify where the money's going. You know, you can, you can use money rotation in sectors to identify what sector you want to focus on. You know, like earlier in the space, I was talking about, you know, energy is the only thing that's going green from the open. It wound up closing, you know, 0.83% on the day from the open. So you need to understand that it's not about putting 20 names on your list that have no, um, no relativity. You need to be focused on specifics. So um, on a day where there's maybe there's a catalyst or let's use the, the war, for instance, you know, energy was a big deal. Um, you know, names that produce and manufacture weapons, all these things that can be related to the geopolitical um, scheme of things, you can trade based on that type of uh, macro. But, you know, if you're if you're trading names like that, but you're also looking at healthcare, you know, or you're looking at utilities you're going to overload yourself with information because you're not going to have consistency within the sector or any of the sub industries so it's really important to narrow the focus and that's the second point um and to finding that's that's just me you know you can have a completely different way and if it works for you then by golly do what makes you money don't take my advice but so once i find those individual names i'm going to put them on a watch list and, you know, we go over this every day pre-market. What are we looking at? You know, do you see anything that catches your eye? That's why I'm looking at specific names because I've done that work. And I'm, I'm going to go back through my watch list. And 10 minutes before the open, I'm going to narrow it down a little bit more. Is this Has this stock retraced pre-market or has it made a new high pre-market? Is it still green for the day or is it flat or has it gone red for the day? And that's where you, where you combine these watch lists together and you can see, okay, I have green, 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 one red, take it off your watch list. Unless you're planning a short trade, then you can keep it on. But by narrowing your focus, you reduce the clutter in your brain. You reduce the clutter in your charts. You reduce the clutter in, you know, you're not trying to panic into these positions. So that, that'd be step number two. To take that a step further, you know, we're going to take a step back a little bit because right now we're about 20 to 10 minutes before market opened. Before then, you should be looking through your charts. If there's an earnings report, you should be studying the fundamentals. You should be looking at the income statement and all that jazz. You have to have a plan 
in order to execute. If you are trading the market at 9.30 Eastern and one second into the open, and you don't have a watch list, you don't have charts set, you don't have um, some kind of thesis from a fundamental or macro perspective on a ticker that you're looking at with no news, no catalyst or any time event, you're gonna be scrambling. And that's the last thing you wanna do in the market because scrambling equals panic. Panic equals mistakes and mistakes equal, you guessed it, losses. So, you know, that that's the main second point that I wanna go over is narrowing your focus. And the only way to narrow your focus is by having a plan and then just work back forward and listen to this a couple times after the space is over so that you can kind of get it instilled into your brain. You have to narrow your focus. You have to have a plan. Without a plan, you are just throwing chips at the table, hoping the roulette ball will land on your number. So, so now when you're making your charts, this is where we'll start to go into the technical side. If you're on your computers, then um, hop over to your charting software and we'll take a look at something in real time. So for the sake of, um, for the sake of ease, let's take a look at something anyone can trade easily. Let's take a look at Apple. So, so Apple's interesting. You know, we, we talked about this today on the space that we were nearing the end of this symmetrical triangle. And today is the third time since June that we've closed, I'm, I'm sorry, this is the second time we've closed outside of the triangle. So what does that mean? That means one of two things. We're either going to back test the trend line and move lower to 133.36, or we're going to reclaim and consolidate more before the next move. So if you're looking at your charts, you need to, you know, I'm not going to tell you where to plot your lines because I want you guys to kind of do this on your own. You need to plot your, your lines from the peak high in August somewhere to today. And you'll notice, without me telling you where to plot it, you'll notice that you see a specific point in time where you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight touches on the downtrend. And I'm sure half of Fintwit has already seen this downtrend. So that's that's step one. We're looking at a chart. We we have an idea of what could happen in either direction, right? We're not going to go into tomorrow with a bias. A bias is what costs you money. Just be prepared in either direction. If you want to have your levels set, this is where the technical approach for Fibonacci comes into play because you can use it from um, previous lows to previous highs, uh, previous highs to previous lows, based on what time frame you're looking at. The 133.36 level is a retracement from the all-time high, and that's the 38.2% retracement. So we've held that level since last June. We broke above it. We had that rally. We had that dip um, back in June, and we held it on the week. So this is where checking multiple time frames will come into play when you're setting up your charts. I'm looking, when I look at a chart, I look at every single time frame from 10 minutes up to one year. And I'm going to look for confluence. And what I mean by confluence is where are the most times that the candles opened or closed around the same area? 
Where did they pivot around the same area, which means it reversed. Those are the key areas where, you know, you'll see our charts where we have LOIX, which is a level of interest, or these key levels that will pulse out, out of nowhere and people will be like, where did you get this level? This is how you get those levels by looking at multiple timeframes and what happened at this specific price at what specific time. And I promise you, if you have, you know, you can, you can organize your levels on trading view. You can do this. I don't know about any other software, but on trading view, you can categorize um, your, your, your levels based on folders, based on um, prices. So if you want from 143 to 130, all of your lines, you can hide everything else. And then that'll narrow your focus. And that's kind of the thing we're going over here is narrowing your focus. If you have too much, and this is where the ind- this is where the battle of indicators with me comes from, I'm not a huge fan of having a ton of indicators. You know, indicators can work, but indicators should be only viewed as a tool to observe data in real time based on what has already occurred. And what I mean by that is if you're using them to predict a move, you're already at a disadvantage because they are formulated based on what's already happened, which is why moving averages are called an average. It's not a moving now or whatever. I don't know. It sounds kind of stupid, but you know, it's not an average. So do yourself a favor, pick one or two indicators at the most, if you have to have an indicator and stick to it. A lot of the problem I see is people are jumping from a moving average to um, what are some of these other indicators you guys, I don't use too many. So, you know, the volume profiles and these um, cloud EMAs and these, you know, all these custom indicators that they all do the same thing as looking at candles and analyzing a pattern. You know, I'm not saying they're not going to help you. They can just don't rely on them. That's, that's the point I'm trying to make. Don't rely on them. Use them as a tool, just like option flow data, just like screeners. Use them as tools, not guides. Um, so, so back Yeah, to that's that. a great point. Like, don't use those as your triggers for entries and exits specifically. Like, use it to help you identify, you know, how, uh, how the levels are, are acting around those, those indicators you may be using. Right. And, you know, the, the, the reason why I focus more on Fibonacci than anything else is because it's universal. You can use Fibonacci at the roulette table. You can use Fibonacci in architecture. You can use Fibonacci in math and charts and you name it. It's everywhere. So I prefer using something that's universal, that's proven in more than one way. And the thing with Fibonacci is that there's a lot of algorithms that trigger based on Fibonacci levels. And I shared it earlier, just go to the pinned tweet in my profile and you can find the, there's a huge thread with a bunch of um, educational info. It's all free. Just go to the Fibonacci section and you can look at it and study it and then pull up your charts and be like, okay, well, let me see how I can look at this. How can I find this level? How can I find where to anchor? And just do it over and over and over. And eventually you'll get better at it. Don't kick yourself if you're like, oh man, I must have messed this up because it didn't really do anything at this 382 fib. It didn't do anything at this 618. Just keep back testing. That's all technical data is. What happened in the past to analyze a move in the future? That's all technicals are. Fundamentals tell you what to buy. Technicals tell you when to buy. Um, so, so going into tomorrow, back to Apple, 
if I were to make this a part of my watch list, which I will now just so you can see it in real time tomorrow, I'm going to look at where it's at currently price-wise. It's above the 382 major retracement. It's below the symmetrical. So it can go either way. So now I need to identify where's the swing high and the swing low that was not breached. So if you're looking at your charts, there's only one area, October. That's going to be my swing low. It almost breached in, what was this, November 4th? Let's see, 134. Yeah, it missed 134.37 by one penny on November 4th. And it and it, the low was 134.38. So that means that the pivot, the swing low from October 13th is still valid because it was not breached. So I'm going to anchor my Fibonacci retracement right there. And I'm going to drag it up to the swing high, which is 157.5. So if you're looking at this, let me hide these real quick on my chart. So if you're looking at this now, it's, it's telling you one of two things. I can either wait for 137.01 to break and close, I'd say a five-minute candle or more above. Or it's going to close below and move lower. So when you're making your triggers for an entry, this is how you do it. And, you know, if any of you have been listening to me for the last few weeks, if I have a level, I do not deviate. I won't buy before and I won't wait until after. I'll wait till my trigger hits and then I'll immediately jump in. And despite what's happening and you've seen it, you've even seen it today, there's people getting calls and puts in either direction. I will stick to my plan because it's what I saw in my charts and it's because what I believed in. I set my plan and I'm not going to deviate just because someone's buying something else or uh, the only thing that would change is if there was a catalyst or some major news. Like if tomorrow they said Apple's acquiring Roblox or Apple's discontinuing the iPhone forever, whatever, some major catalyst happened, then I would look for how's the market going to react to that news. That's the only thing that would invalidate a plan that I make after hours or pre-market. So um, the next step would be now that we have a long tri trigger, how are we going to look for a downside trigger? Um, since the market's still open at, and Apple's still at 136.59, you can look at where there's confluence of support. And from the look of, looks of it, if you go to your monthly candles, you can see that we're slightly above where we had a big pivot back in um, July. You could use that as your short trigger, which is 136.04. So now we've got a dollar and three cents of leeway. And this could be considered a no interest zone. This could be considered a chop zone. And until one of those two levels breach, I'm not going to make a move on Apple until then. Right? So tomorrow I'm going to re-up on it and we'll, we'll go over it on the space. And I'm going to make sure that people are sticking to their plans and making moves and sharing it in the chat. You don't have to take a trade with real money. You know, you can do a paper trade or you can just take your notes and see what would have happened if I did this. Was my plan valid? Did I execute it properly? Did I manage my risk properly? And you do that for every trade. You do it every single day you trade. I promise you, you will get better at trading. It's just a matter of when, not if. But you have to be willing to put in the work. You have to be willing to put, have the discipline and above all, you have to live to trade another day. So if you're going to take a trade like um, on anything the following day based on a plan you had, you have to manage your risk. 
Otherwise, it's going to cost you money to trade. And we don't want it to cost us money to trade. We want to make money and get paid to trade, right? So that's the way I look at it. I'm getting paid to trade in the market, not the other way around. Um, so, you know, that's overall how I find relative strength. I do everything that I just went over step by step. And then I come up with a thesis. I set my plan, set my levels, set an alert on my levels. So because you can, you, this is where having too many tickers on your watch list is going to get you off track because you're going to have too many things going off at once. Like whenever we're on spaces and you hear a little ping, 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 that's my alert set. I've, I've got thousands of alerts set, but they're at, set at different times. So I might forget about something I charted three months ago. You know what I mean? I might forget about a downtrend I set on Adobe on Sunday that I forgot about today. So set your alerts. And if they don't ever go off, then wait till they do. Just set it and forget it. Well, not forget it, but set it and come back to it. Um, but yeah, other than that, if you guys have a question about anything I'm talking about, post it in the comments and I'll respond. And we'll, we'll try to figure out where the disconnect is. Actually, I did. I did have a quick one for you. Um, you know how you're talking about your swing high, swing lows, and, and you're going out. You know, like within a year when you're charting. Um, obviously, like for for people that day trade, um, do you like how how sh like short a time frame, like weekly, you know, uh, two weeks, a month, uh, that you look at for additional like swing high, swing lows within like a year, for example, like. Like I know there are obviously mm -hmm. swing highs, swing lows within a major one. So like you have major swing highs, major swing lows, and you have ones that you know you could also trade within within those uh, levels. Um, I guess any any tips or advice for how how to track you know those levels? Yeah, and and this kind of goes back to this kind of goes back to identifying what type of um, if you want to be a trader or an investor because these these pivot points that you can plot on your charts, they can be based on something that happened in 2020. Like if I, if I, I have a yearly level level on Apple at 138.79, and that's from 2020, but it's still relevant because we breached below it. And that was a key pivot from 2020. And as soon as we drop below, you know, look, look at where we're at now. And these levels that are yearly, monthly, weekly, whatever you name it, these levels are pivotal to making a decision. You know, like um, I could take it a step further. If I'm in a trade and my trade is red and I'm known for going against the grain and not using a stop loss, and that's because my key level, Amazon was a perfect example today. You know, I gave that level to the downside where if, it, if a candle closes below this level, I'll cut my calls and Amazon every single time it approached it, it bounced back up, approached it, bounced back up. This is where intraday Fibonacci levels come into play because if you have a level um, based on today's price action or a year's price action, if you have one or two of those levels that are within a dollar or 50 cents of each other, that tells you that you should be a little bit more patient or that tells you you should get out because it breached. So if you have these levels, that are critical to a stock's performance based on where it's been in the past, it'll help you identify if I should stay in a trade maybe a little bit longer. Should I hold this while it's down 10% or should I just cut my losses? If you're using a small account, absolutely keep your stops at negative 
I don't I don't recommend anything lower than that because if you have anything more than negative five percent, you might as well just trade with less money. Instead of having a fifty percent stop loss, just use half the money you plan on investing with. So, but yeah, th- those levels based on yearly, monthly, weekly pivots and um, opens and fibs, those can be subjective to your time frame of the trade. So what I mean by that is there's people who may have gotten a leap trade on options, you know, and they're looking maybe for a 160 call for 2024. So it really depends on what your time frame objective is for the trade and whether or not if you're if you're trading the common stock, I mean, I'm going to hold my Apple shares until the stock is I don't even care where it goes. You know, it's, I'm just holding it forever and I'm just going to keep for, it's a forever stock. It's exactly. your forever stock. You know, it's just going to keep making money and I'm going to keep taking some off the table every now and then. But, you know, that's that's the thing. If people are trading with a investor mentality, it's going to it's going to be overload of information because you're trying to day trade but you're thinking in your head that this is a three to five year game. So how can you make an educated decision while your brain is telling you to do something else? There's a reason why trading is one of the most difficult things on earth because, you know, lawyers, doctors, teachers, a lot of them are wired differently and you have to think completely opposite to what your brain is honestly telling you because, you know, when you see red, what's your brain going to tell you to do? Get out. So, you know, the psychology of the market is, I mean, that's a huge factor in success. And, you know, everyone talks about it all day, every day, psychology, mindset, those are the biggest keys to success in the market. And the way you get ahead of that psychology is by having a plan. If you have a plan and you're trading with money that you can afford to lose, how can you be emotional about the money? How can you panic when it's red? How can you sell it early when it's green? You know what I mean? If somebody told you, you scratched off a lot of ticket and you won, but you don't know the amount. If somebody told you, you won a million dollars, but the ticket, you scratch off another portion of it and there's another zero. Are you going to take the million dollars or are you going to wait to find the right person to tell you, oh, it's actually 10 million? You know, that, that psychology that goes behind waiting for more is what a lot of people struggle with. And the solution is not having risk. There's multiple ways to lower your risk, trading with less money, um, getting into a position and trimming if you have multiple contracts, you know, and this is all, this is all based on accounts that can afford to have multiple contracts, you know, and when I say small accounts, I'm talking about six figures and below. If you have less than a hundred thousand dollars in the market, or let's just take a step back 25,000, if you can't even have a margin account um, and PDT restrictions without a cash account, you, sh- you really shouldn't even be, you know, risking it to, to get the biscuit in a sense, because, you know, everyone wants to get over that 25. Everyone wants to start with a thousand or 5,000 and get over 25 and make as many day trades, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, the, the easier solution is to just take a step back and say, am I really ready to be in the market? Am I really in a position to be in the market financially? Because I know, I know damn well, plenty of people are trading with money that they got paid on their paycheck last Friday. And they're just looking for a little side money. And 
you're doing a disservice to yourself because you're trading with money that you shouldn't be trading with. And you know, that that's, that's my opinion. I mean, you can do whatever you want, but I don't know. I think I'm getting off track. Well, Hey, uh, with, with that said, I know you mentioned like, you know, when you first started, you kind of, you kind of hit that road bump when you, when you first started trading, um, when you came back in, like, you know, you personally, what, what size did you come back in with when you thought you were ready to start trading uh, live again? I started, I started right back where I left off. I just took a step back completely because I didn't want to lose any more money. And I just compounded and I did the th- the exact things that it was a little bit different back then, but you know, now we have the zero commissions, like the commissions were, there was, if there was, I didn't know about it, but there was no commission free brokers. That's like a new marketing. Thing oh now. man. I, I remember trading on Scott trade, oh. getting looking at those commissions and how expensive they, they were adding up. I was like, man, I'm not even, you know, like I didn't notice until after the fact, right? Like you're getting these, you're looking at your commissions, you know, incrementing. You're like, man, I didn't realize they're charging me that much per, yeah. per contract. It adds up too. And, you know, now we, we live in a day and age where, you know, there's no commissions to trade options. Um, based on what broker you use and that's a very dangerous thing because you know it brings in money to the market that may not even have a business being there and you know that it, honestly I never thought it should have been that way but I mean it's great seeing you know people that don't have experience come into the market and make some money and learn and grow and now people have you know their businesses and you know, the, the, it's it's beautiful to see, but man, the risk coming in, not knowing anything about the market, I've been there, I did it, and I, I lost a lot of money. Well, back then when I was in my early 20s, that was a lot of money. So, you know, just that, that has nothing to do with what we're doing here tonight, but you know, it is yeah, no. Well, it, you know, it's it's great education, and obviously, you're sharing your experience. So maybe maybe it might be helpful for some that are that are not actively trading. Maybe they're kind of kind of stick to the the path of you know, let's skip that part of taking the big hit. Maybe I'll just you know continue with more education, maybe paper, and keep saving until you know they get to the point where they're more comfortable. You know, uh, getting to that that live trading uh level you know if they're not quite ready yet they just some people just want to just take the dive you know so it's it is what it is yep and you know and for anyone who hasn't read trading in the zone or any of the mark douglas books you know like a lot of his quotes i've memorized because i repeated them to myself for years and if i found it so interesting to the psychology of trading that you have to compare yourself to a professional athlete you are consistently, every single day, every single trade you make, you are trying your best not to make a mistake. And yet, every single trading eventuality in the market that you make, there is no certain outcome. It is always uncertain. If you think you're getting into a trade and you have 100% control of that trade, it's false. You have no control. You can make the best educated guess and prediction but no outcome is, is certain in the market. I don't care what anyone tells you. I won't tell you that, but, you know. And as soon as you start thinking that way, your your brain is going to start shifting. You're going to start having a, a mental focus. If you go into a trade thinking, I accept the outcome of this trade, whether it's red or green, I accept the outcome. Maybe I'm going to trade a little bit less. Instead of doubling my investment, I'm going to cut it in half. I'm going to use just the profits I made yesterday. And if you don't have any profits, figure out why you lost money. 
a, a lot of the a lot of the problems of growth in in the you know the common trader is that no one takes the time to look at what they did wrong and what they did right they just look at it oh i lost money no big deal you know maybe i'll what i made what i bought it at a dollar and i sold it at 80 cents okay i lost 20% next time i won't lose 20% but no you should you should be studying the chart you should be studying the price if it's an option you should be looking at the greeks at the time you bought it you know don't o- overload yourself with information but if you're not trying to understand why you made a mistake or why you did something right how can you grow you know this is the same thing in school when you're in elementary school then middle school you learn a new math equation the next grade up you learn a new math equation you know you go from multiplication and division to algebra to calculus blah 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 it's the same thing with trading you have to have a focus on growth otherwise you're going to be in the same position you're currently in if not worse because you're lying to yourself thinking that you know everything and i did that when i started trading i did that to myself i was ignorant i didn't take the market seriously i just thought i can get rich quick and i lost money that's like the cycle of many trade you know like i probably every trader in here you know probably has gone through that cycle where you, you take a couple of big wins and you're thinking oh i got this figured out <laughs> oh, i'm invincible i'm gonna, exactly I'm exactly gonna put 80 percent of my account on the next trade i know yeah. exactly what i'm doing not exactly that's why it's like i know keanu always mentioned he's like you know like sometimes your biggest losses come after your biggest days you know because it's it, it, it gives you that sense where like wow you know you can't miss and then the next day you go heavier than you normally would and then that's kind of the trap, right? <laughs> people yeah. get caught up in that. And guess what? The the people on the other side that are trading on the floor, they want you to do that. They rely on people doing that in retail. You know, j- just think of the amount of money that influx from COVID into the market or the meme stock generation that came oh, into yeah. the market. Oh, all yeah. this A lot of money just paid for all these salaries. And all these bonuses and all these companies, you know, why, why do you think these, there's some investment firms that lost money, of course, but then there's a lot of investment firms that have grown exponentially. Where do you think that money came from? Retail, retail, just handing them hand, hand over fist, all all that COVID, all the, uh, all the, the, the money we got from COVID. Yep. And guess what? The government still wins because when you, when you make money, guess what? You pay your taxes on that money. Capital gains, man. They don't mess around. <laughs> nope. Hey, what's up, PB? Welcome. Thanks for joining. What's up, guys? Yeah, you know, I told I told you I'm gonna pop in, but I was listening to X for a little bit. Great stuff. Yeah, man. Welcome. Yeah, he was breaking down. You know, his approach, TA approach, and uh, you know, his charting and uh, you know, use of Fibonacci and, and focusing on those levels, man. It's awesome. So I'm a fib. I use Fibs too. Obviously, Mr. Fibs, he ain't in here, but you know, obviously, by his name, you know what he uses. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice man. Yeah. Never checked out the Fibs. All right, let me look through the things, the comments, real quick. Yeah, I was gonna say if, if you want, I know you were talking about how like you have some of your, you, you know, when you're charting all the levels, how many, how many you have pointed out. Uh, if you have an example of one of your charts you want to share, kind of you know, showing them like kind of the, the level of of. Uh, of of approach you know for the for the price points you look at yeah let me um let me go on to something that i don't care if i delete it real quick 
Yeah, because you're you use TradingView, right? So you could you have a yeah. couple tools. Okay, got it. Let's see. Hmm. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't able to to I got caught up today. I was I was in early in the morning, but I I literally could not even trade today. Um. But yeah, what do you what did you end up uh, playing? I didn't just kind of a recap. Yeah, so I mean, you mentioned Amazon was, towards the end, right? Towards the end of the day, you kind of took a little bit to Amazon, but yeah, not that, that wound up just being a choppest. I mean, Amazon was stuck in a sixty cents range for three oh, wow. and a half hours, <laughs> and you know, I was like sitting here talking about going to get Arby's, yada yada, and you know, the trade just took forever, and although it did wind up paying because we stayed in it because it didn't break below a key support, which I mentioned on the space. But yeah, that makes you think about, you know, one's mentality when a trade isn't working. And there's a great quote I'll say after this, when a trade isn't working, you know, almost instantly people get impatient or, you know, people start to doubt themselves because they're like, okay, well, I entered this trade. I saw what I saw, but it's not working. What am I doing wrong? People start, your brain is wired to beat you down. Like and second guess, you start to second guess yourself at that point, right? If if yeah. the move didn't happen as fast as you were kind of anticipating, and there's a quote that will cure that um, that mentality: a great, a good trade works almost instantly, but a great trade takes time and conviction. And I, I've always said this, and I will always say this: just learn to be a little bit patient, and how can we be patient by having that plan having those key levels and it makes it easier trust me it just makes it like i don't stress on any of my trades no matter what the side whether it's a hundred dollars or a hundred thousand dollars if the trade is green or red i treat it the same i'll be patient if it's red i'll be patient if it's green and you guys saw it in real time on spx that's a great example i took um 3910 calls on spx at 3 30 and I gave an upside target. Oh, I can't remember off the top of my head. Of 3907.06, which was just the day's range um, Fibonacci retracement, which, you know, there we go again. We're talking about fibs. And it was just a dead, it's what's known as a dead cat bounce, a 382 fib from the low, which was also the 618 3880.49 on the SPX. So, once we hit a key technical support, it put calls on my radar, but I didn't get into calls until it broke a downtrend, a previous downtrend. Once it triggered, it back tested the 236, and then we entered when the downtrend broke. And then at, when SPX moves, you know, 10 to 15 points, or let's say five to 10 points, you can make a lot of money on SPX, especially on zero DTEs. Yeah. But if you have a smaller account, you shouldn't be trading it. I'd switch to Spy or take something in Apple, something cheap with a lot of liquidity. But yeah, SP, SPX is you know obviously a popular popular ticker, so everybody likes to you know the the large movements. You know, obviously, if it's in your favor, yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. you know, it, it sometimes it can get you. Yeah, and you know, once once we hit the target. You know, we had no idea if it was going to keep going higher or if it was going to reject. We didn't know what it was going to do. But we took profit anyways. And, I mean, I'm not being vain. 
91% profit on SPX is a good payday. But I had runners. I moved my stop loss every time we went a little bit higher. I moved my stop loss up a little bit higher. And it wound up working. And then eventually we double topped off of the 382. And then SPX just dove after, you know, some of these um, liquidations started occurring after 315 Eastern. You know, when portfolios automatically close people out of their positions because their account, yada, yada, yada. So, you know, somebody could have, I'm sure, I'm sure anybody could have taken a short trade off of the double top. You know, that's a very bearish pattern. You know, that's another technical, you know, double tops, double bottoms. I don't want to get too heavy into formations, but you should absolutely know formations if you're trading in the market, you know, candlesticks. Understanding yeah, reading volume. candlesticks. Yeah, reading candlesticks is important. Um, as far as volume, are are there any uh, books that helped you? You know, when you're analyzing volume, like let's say intraday when you're when you're day, day trading or scalping. Yeah, I mean, you can use. I mean, really, any broker will tell you, you know, how much volume has been traded on a ticker at any given point. It's just a matter of looking. Um, I'm pretty sure every single charting platform shows volume as a selection on indicators, and if your charting software does not show you volume, you need to find a different one ASAP. But yeah, I mean, you did mention you don't use the that volume profile, so that's something you haven't you haven't really taken a look at at all. Oh no, I use a volume profile. I just oh, okay, I just okay, don't okay. base day trades off of it. Although the point of control can be extremely useful, um, similar to the VWAP, they can be useful um, to be prepared for a potential move. You know, but the problem is is a lot of people wait to enter trades from a breach or a breakdown on a VWAP or a point of control or, you know, a volume profile gap or whatever the case may be, you know, people shouldn't be waiting for that as a confirmation because on the other side, there's somebody waiting to screw the people over that are waiting for it. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. and that, that's a, like the, the three, eight, two fib on SPX, the three, nine, Oh, seven, Oh, six, um, target, you know, that was a, a lot of people and there was a lot of um, people in the futures too. There was a lot of, there was a lot of um, buyers waiting. There was a lot of sellers waiting, but it just so happened to be that there was more sellers than buyers. And when it's, or vice versa, whenever it's one or the other, whenever the bulls win or the bears win, it's going to go in their favor. So we saw a rejection of it. We saw huge sellers come through. And then when it retraced to the 236, we saw more bullish orders. And then when it went back to the 382, we saw more bearish orders. And then there was more sellers and buyers by, you know, um, half past three. So, you know, this is, this is, fibs are good to um, use as potential trim targets, but I wouldn't use them specifically um, or exclusively, no pun intended, or exclusively as, a, a means to get into a trade. <laughs> I see what you did there. See what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended, you know. <laughs> but you yeah, know, it's just um, it's just information overload. You know, a lot of people just have information overload. That's what the problem is. Yeah, like a per, uh, an paralysis by analysis kind of thing. You know, yep. it's, it's like too much, and you you're not sure which trigger your your confirmation that you you know you're quite looking at. You're you're stuck, and by the time you figure it out, it already it already left. <laughs> your your move already happened. And um, yeah, I was gonna with that, I was gonna ask, uh, are you ready to take a couple questions? I see somebody with a request to, to speak. Maybe they have a question specific uh, for yeah. something you mentioned. Sure. 
Yeah, absolutely. All right, do not do not buy. Let me get you in here. All right. Oh, where do you go? Oh, I got a there was an error adding do not buy list as a guest. <laughs> All right, so let's try another one. Uh, Bitcoin Chris. Why does that name sound so familiar? Hey, uh, Bitcoin Chris, thank you for uh, for joining the spaces. Uh, you had a question for exclusive? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't have a question. I just wanted to say thank you uh, for you guys coming on every morning um, and inspiring us and helping us and walking us through plays and just teaching, being very, being very open and transparent and just teaching us how to trade. Exclusive is just so chill. <laughs> I just love how chill he is taking <sighs> trades. I, I DM him and tell him thanks all the time and. Like I said, I just wanted to hop on here and say thank you. Show my appreciation because I know you guys are doing it for free and I know you guys are making a ton of money, but all the information and all the plays and you guys walking us through it really helps out because I'm not, I'm kind of new to trading options. So I'm trying to make sure I don't fuck up and lose my, lose my ass, you know, and lose all my bread. So like all the information that you guys are dropping up is very priceless in my opinion. And I just want to express my gratitude. So thanks, Jordan. Thanks, KT, and thanks Exclusive and PB Investing. Uh, I just want to say shout-out to you because I know you're a young buck and you're trading as well. So uh, shout-out to you. Yeah, man, we appreciate Thanks, it, dude. Yeah, Thank man, that's so much for, for supporting everything. Absolutely. Much love, you guys. And uh, I'll see you guys in the morning. I'll just – you can – Put me back down in the audience. Just want to say thank you. But I'll see you guys in the morning. And, again, thank you guys so much. Yeah, we appreciate it, man. you, love man. It. And, you know, just based on what you said about, you know, I'm I'm aware and I don't want to lose money. That's the proper mentality to have. I, I'm trading, but I don't want to lose what I have. I want to take money from the market, not give my money to the market. So you're already in the right direction. So good for you, man. Yeah, I love it. I know, like I said, I mean, this is kind of like why we do these, right? If, if it if it could help one person and and they're you know appreciative and and maybe it helps them you know you know save money, make money, whatever, not lose money, <laughs> you know, any anything to help, man. That's what that's what matters. Yeah, if anybody else has any uh, additional questions, you know, let us know, and then I guess um, I'll let a couple people. Tune in here. I got someone, uh, Mike, right now. Let's see if I get him in. Hey, Mike. Man, that um, made my night. That was awesome. I love it. I got another one too coming in. So, yeah, we'll kind of open it up to the QA portion right now, then I guess. Keep it rolling. All right, go ahead. Um, Mike's still connecting, but. Um, Attendees, if you had a question, go ahead and drop it. You can go ahead and speak. I think he's muted. Hey. Oh, okay. Uh, so anyway, I got a, I got a cash account, and I have a really hard time taking losses, because if I do end up taking a loss, I feel like I can't trade anymore for the rest of the day. So I usually hold and wait for it to bounce back and that usually burns me every time how can i get rid of the mindset so so that's a great question so you you kind of answered your question without realizing it but if you're you're in a position and your position's red and you're telling yourself i can't keep losing money but you're holding the position and letting it either expire worthless or 
you know, you decide to cut it at 80% or whatever the case may be, you know, what we were talking about earlier, if you're growing an account, not just using your portfolio as income, if you're growing your account, you should never let your loss grow more than 5%. If you get stopped out immediately and you have a cash account, you can still make another trade, but wait for it to get a little bit above what you paid originally to get back in. Because that means if it comes back to where you exited, that means theta decay has taken effect on the contract and it's still going higher. So that's a bullish confirmation that you might get some continuation above what you paid before. And, you know, like SPX today was a great example. You know, they went down to $2. I even got a few DMs about it. They were like, man, this thing was red and then it went green and then I took 50% profit. So the if you're trading options, and you're not cutting a loss sooner than later, and you don't have the mentality to, or the the bandwidth in your account to continuously take losses and not get back into the trade, you're gonna keep bleeding your account. You know, losing 5% is, gonna, is a lot better than losing 50% or 70%. Yeah, but, I get it, but uh, if I, yeah, if I, I have a hard time, uh, you know, cutting as well, I usually just average down which is even worse, honestly, thinking about it. Absolutely. Uh, I keep telling myself I'll stop doing that, but then the very next day, I just keep averaging down, averaging down, you know? So, you know, this is a a great thing. You need to read. Have you read Trading in the Zone by Mark Douglas? Yeah, I read it once. I'm reading it again. Yeah, so the, the mentality of admitting yourself, admitting to yourself that you were wrong about a trade or the trade is going against me. That should be the, on the forefront of your brain. If you're trading on a laptop or a monitor, whatever you're using, write on a sticky note, don't let the trade go red. And put it right in front of where you make your trades, put the sticky note right there on the screen, right above it. And you need to remind yourself, even before you're taking a trade, what is my plan for this trade? Meaning, where am I going to cut my loss and where am I going to sell it in profit? You know, if you're growing an account, a 10, 20, 30% trade gain is an amazing return. If you do it over and over and over, you'll grow your account. But the only way you lose money consistently in the market is by not accepting the outcome of the trade before it happens. So if it's red and you hold it beyond your predefined loss, meaning I'm only going to let it go negative five or negative 10% and I'm out. You're gambling. The solution is very, very simple. And also never, never dollar cost average unless you, if you can afford it, I still don't recommend it because unless you're holding an investment for three to five years, your average does nothing for you on an option because you have to make so much more to get back to positive. The only time I would do it personally is if I'm trading SPX. That's the only time I've ever done it. And even that's extremely risky. Yeah, but that's a good point. I, I think with dollar cost averaging, um, especially when you're doing it with options, you you need to be careful because if, you know, obviously there's a, there's a threshold where you're 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 doing it maybe because you have a support level that hasn't broken and you know, you're you're kind of averaging in at that point. Um, but if, you know, if it keeps going down, you have to know when to actually cut it completely because you're going to just double, triple your loss at that point. I mean, just think about it. You can think about it as an analogy. And I've said this a lot. 
You water your flowers, not the weeds. You cut the weeds, not your flowers. So if you have weeds on your account, which in this case we're talking about a trade that's going red, cut it out. Get that weed out of there. And if you've got something that's green and your flower's blooming, water your flower. You scale into a winning trade. So you're doing the opposite. You're, you're giving more money to a position that's going against you. And you are telling the market, you are telling the market, you're willing to lose more money. And I'm going to spend more money to show how willing I am. Yeah, that's, that's my mindset right now. I just hate taking L's, you know. I'll do anything just to, just to get it green. The best winners are even better losers. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I mean, I would just, I would just take a step back. First of all, I would, I would take a step back from trading for a couple of days or a week or two and just study your trades that are going red, understand why they went red, because there's an explanation. There's a blueprint for every single trade you make. There's a reason why it went red. There's a re- reason why it went green. And have you ever sat down and literally looked through all your trades today or last week and gone through each trade, looked at the chart, looked at what was happening at the time you took the trade? And see if there was something you missed or a formation you missed or was there a level you ignored. If you're not doing that, you can't grow. You're going to keep making the same mistakes and it's going to, you're going to be stuck in a, a repetitive position of losing money. And you don't want, you don't want trading to become um, a source of debt, if you will. Trading, yeah, the thing, the thing is, I, I don't want to stop making, you know. But I just keep doing them and doing them over and over again. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, definitely, I mean, definitely I'm journal, saying, definitely journal, I, and kind of learn from you know the mistakes you made. So hopefully that helped. Yeah, I guess it's just when I got to work. Awesome. But anyway, thanks. Uh, thanks for the answers. Awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go ahead and let uh, the next uh, question come in. So I'm gonna dr- I'm gonna let you drop off here for the speakers. Yep. Appreciate it, man. Sounds yeah. Good, so man. I guess um, I think uh. SSS3, I think VT, I'll let you in in a little bit. A couple people kind of were in before, but SS3, if you had a triple S3, if you had a question, go ahead. Hi, uh, thank you all uh, again for hosting your daily spaces. Uh, makes uh, being lonely uh, in front of the monitor less lonely. Drip, I liked your YouTube yesterday. Um, but my question is how do you approach the large bid ask spread? in uh spx when you are looking for the green or you because you can be in that red zone for a few minutes and then it turns against you what's your approach towards that so you know with with spx um specifically on zero dtes because that's what i day trade you know the spreads aren't crazy they're just a little bit more expensive um so step one you know, unless you have over six figures in your account, I would be trading SPY in lieu of SPX um, because it's lower risk and the liquidity is a lot greater, um, meaning you can get in and out of your contracts easier. And the spreads, and spreads, the spreads are a lot tighter. Yeah, yeah, spreads are a lot tighter. The implied volatility is far lessened on SPY. Um, so that's the first thing I would do. Um, but the approach for um, the spread, I mean, there's not really much of a spread. If you want... Real spread is like on trades like Chipotle, MicroStrategy. Those those options are like three to a thousand dollars apart for a contract, and that's craziness. But if this if the option spread is really wide from the bid to ask, 
I won't even take the trade. I'll just find something that's tighter in range because, you know, the further out means you're instantly at a loss if you buy on the ask. So what I mean by that is if you, if you bid at $5 and the ask is 10 and you buy at the market 7.5, guess what? You're losing money already by buying at the ask. You bought at 10, now it's a seven and a half. And if there's no more people selling their contracts at the ask, guess what? It goes to the bid and now the mid is now the ask. So now it's five and seven, five, you lose a little bit more. So the best way to approach a widespread is to just not trade a widespread at all. So uh, would you go to five to seven days out? Um, if you want to trade SPX? Well, so the thing with trading the further day out on SPX is the premium. So if you can afford the premium and they move slower, it's good. There's pros and cons. You know, your liquidity is a lot lower because there's not as many people buying and selling the further out on SPX because they're predominantly a hedge for institutions. So um, although you'll have more time, you won't take up a day trade if you're on a, on, um, if you're on a sub-25 account. You know, you'll be able to swing the trade and you'll have lower movement in the premium. So what I mean by that is if SPX drops 20 points on a zero DTE, you could lose 80%. On a week out, you might lose 20%. So, um, and it works on the profit side too. You'll limit your losses because it'll move slower because that's where the Greeks come into play. But on zero DTE specifically, the Greeks are enormously amplified. So, um, you know, if you want to lower your risk, you can trade further out, but understand that it costs more money and there's lower liquidity. There's nothing worse than buying a position and not being able to get out when you want to. Yeah, I hope, that, I hope that helped, but yeah. It did. Thank Appreciate you very the, much. Uh, again, thank you. Sure. again, thank you guys for hosting every day. Absolutely. Thank, Absolutely. thank you so much for supporting here. it. Yeah, we appreciate all the support. Thank yeah. you so much. Good luck to you. Mm -hmm. All right. So all go right. ahead, VT. Mm -hmm. I think I, I'm sorry if I got the order mixed up, but yeah, go ahead, VT. I know you had your hand raised too. Uh, if you want to go ahead and speak. Hey, uh, thanks for hosting the space. I just had a couple quick questions. <laughs> um, the first one is. Now, now, um, you know, I do a little bit of options trading, but I don't have, um, you know, 25,000 um, in my account to, um, you know, do day trading. So I have this, you know, restriction. You can do, you know, four day trades in a five day period. <clears throat> and what ends up happening is I'll get, you know, a position that will make money, but I can't get out of it until the next morning. Um what is the best way to to kind of lock in that gain um, until the till the next morning? Because I noticed that you know the price can change drastically overnight, and then you know sometimes like if you buy in a you know a put with a or a call to offset the trade that you made, that even doing that, like if it has like a you know high theta for the day or whatever you can still lose um you know quite a bit of the trade doing that and and the next question i had is um what is your opinion on like um 
cash covered uh, puts like because I started doing this wheel strategy that I noticed kind of works on, mm-hmm. you know, some positions like you put up, uh, you know, the money to do the to um, sell somebody a put option. And then even if it has a widespread bid ask, sometimes mm-hmm. they don't ever exercise them and you end up, you know, pretty much getting um the premium for free and then even if the the contract expires you know close to um you know in the money sometimes they they're never exercised so okay so there was a a couple of um parts of the first question that i'd probably address just to kind of help you out so for what, what kind of broker do you use um, I just use Robinhood, a Webull, TD Ameritrade, and that's it. <laughs> I, okay. have, I have accounts basically with all three. Okay, so, well, one I would I would narrow down, like we talked about earlier, we narrowing down your focus. You know, I have multiple accounts, but that's because I have objectives for each type of account. So I have my IRA, um, I have multiple IRAs in one account, and that's for long term investing. I have an account for day trading options, and then I have a common stock portfolio. But the only one I focus yeah. on is, you know, my day trading option account. So, and one, I wouldn't even, you know, this is just my opinion. I wouldn't be using um, a margin account if you're under 25 because you have that PDT restriction. I would switch to a platform that does allow cash accounts so that you can make unlimited day trades and you can get out of your trades without risking using one of those PDTs. Um you know, um, X's on your account within that five day period. So that eliminates some of your stress right off the bat by not panicking in the fear that you get stuck in executing a day trade um, prematurely. So by switching to a cash account, you can move in and out of your positions and that'll just be money spent for the day. And you'll have the rest of your remaining balance for that day. That's settled funds to trade with. So that's, that's going to remedy some stress just right off the bat. Um, and the second question about, um, what was the second question? I'm sorry. It was about cash covered puts. So, you know, so with, with cash secured puts or covered puts, whichever terminology, you know, for the sake of being, um, a little bit more simplistic with trading options, I wouldn't be doing cash secured puts. I would probably be focused more on a straddle or a strangle. That's a little bit um, easier because, you know, if you're familiar with cash secured puts and I don't want to get too in depth on this, we can make that a space for another time. You know, you're making, you're making more profit on the strike based on it being above the break even um, when the price is closer to the strike on the underlying. So, you know, you're, although you're limiting your profit, which if you're trading directionally, you want to, I would just trade one specific strike because why limit your profit if you're already trading in a specific direction, right? So, you know, you're, you're going to have your, your max loss um, if the stock goes to zero, whatever the case may be for whatever you're playing. But if you're managing your risk, and this is where we talk about being able to get in and out of your positions, if you need to stop out without the fear of using a day trade, if you're just having a simple call or a simple put, 
it's easier to follow the direction without overcomplicating it. So by narrowing the focus, and I feel like this is my theme of the day, by narrowing your focus to a cash account and a simple direction of a call or a put, it'll kind of narrow your focus and you won't have so many things to look at and there won't be so many roadblocks on your account. So um, I've, I feel like there was another question in between after before the cash secured put. Uh, there could have been, but I've, I've forgot it too, but yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of how I invest too. You know, I have like an IRA and then I have account that's just stocks. And then I just, you know, use like a couple grand to, you know, play around with options. And, you know, sometimes you, you make good money and then sometimes you lose money, but I guess if you keep doing it, you know, that's my goal is to just keep practicing it and hopefully, you know, someday I'll, I'll get good at it. You know, I keep listening to you guys because you guys are actually a lot of help. You know, when I'm sitting here um, and trading and I'll just, uh, you know, kind of hear some of the insight and it, you know, helps me, you know, to look at the Greeks and, you know, see what the different deltas and gamma, theta and all those, you know, things are for these underlying securities. And I don't trade to necessarily the exact same securities but i guess the you know when you guys are talking about spy you know i'm over here looking at apple and google and meta you know mm -hmm. so it, it definitely helps so yeah just uh keep doing what you guys are doing uh i know we all appreciate it thank you absolutely man we appreciate you two being here and uh, those are great questions and uh now keep doing what you're doing it sounds like you got a good head on your shoulders and, you know, just keep sharpening your tools because, you know, the more you do it, the better you get at it. Just manage that risk. And step one would be switching to a cash account so that you have the flexibility of getting out of a trade if it goes against you. Yeah, they keep offering me a cash account, but I haven't taken it yet. So maybe I'll maybe I'll try that and see how, how it goes. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just an alternative. Um, if you're under 25 grand, you know, you're instead of trading on margin and having unlimited you can get in and out in and out in and out with the same amount of money every time but with a cash account you have you know you have a hundred dollar bill in the grocery store and you can only buy what you have with a hundred dollars and if you buy an apple a box of cereal a box of protein or whatever you buy then you've used that money and then you can't use that money until it's settled the following day or depending on your broker or holidays or whatever for banks maybe a day or two so um yeah i mean it's it's worth um, looking into and if you're still kind of tinkering with options and exploring what works for you it's a definitely a good alternative in the interim i couldn't imagine not being able to get out of a trade if i wanted to in the fear of limiting my account if i was in that yeah I, I mean usually what i'll do is if i have an option that goes way up you know i'll find like a you know like if it's a call like like say the other day when meta went way up you know, I had to, I'm like, oh shit, I'm not going to be able to get rid of this until tomorrow. So what I did is I bought a put with about the same Delta. And then by the next morning, um, you know, it was about break even. It was a little bit off, but, you know, I locked in kind of most of, you know, what was there. Right. Yeah. 
Appreciate it, man. Yeah, we actually, I know you were talking about options. We, we do have a, an upcoming spaces uh, on the 29th, like the last one of the month. Um, we I have a 10 man. He's actually, he's, he's going to be discussing, you know, option strategies and stuff. So maybe that might be a good one for you to mark on your calendar as well. Cause you did have a couple questions in regards to that, but yeah, I appreciate you taking the time and supporting the spaces and, and I appreciate your question. So with that, I'll, I'm going to hand it off to Cody. Uh, go ahead, man. Hey guys. Um, thank you for, uh, hosting these spaces uh, my question is like uh, yesterday i kind of got like uh, spy ports when after the fed meeting um, uh, like i got kind of little for like long ports december 23rd uh, i kind of like thought based on the uh, nq levels like a triple q and also the spy levels uh, based on the levels i expected that there will be a drop so in the morning uh, Actually, what happened, it, it was up like around 90%. Um, it's It was a 385 strike. So sometimes I don't know like uh, whether should I hold or not. So I was looking at like 393 uh, spy level. Like it was, that's where uh, the most of the support in last few days. Uh, today it was like, I think uh, it went below 393 and it also went all the way to 387. Uh, in that time, like, what do you guys do? Like, uh, do you guys sell all the 20 contracts or hold some of the contracts? Like, what actually the best strategy uh, when the market is under the bear control? So, um, so there, there's a couple parts to address with this strategy, if you will. So, okay, so you told me, that, so the first thing you told me was you had some puts and they were up 90% in profit, right? Mm-hmm. So did you sell any of your positions since you had, you said 20 contracts? Uh, yeah. So I sold, I sold 10 contracts immediately. And then I sold the uh, uh, rest of the contracts uh, instead of holding. But I was kind of still thinking uh, the market is under bear control, but I was unable to uh, hold uh, like more of an emotional trade. Right. And so this is where, um, you know, we talked earlier about, I don't know if you were on the space, but we talked about having your, predefined levels on your chart before the market open and after the close and you can adjust them accordingly. So if I'm looking at it for a swing put, which you said they expired the 23rd. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So I'm, I'm trading future dated contracts. They're not weeklies. They're going to be after um, quad witching. They're going to be after they're going to be during some rebalancing um, towards the end of the year. So if I'm looking at it from, a completely um, non-biased view, meaning I'm not bullish or bearish, the price action would tell me um, based on, did you sell all of them before uh, FOMC or after? No, no. I got the puts after FOMC. Like oh, okay. uh, when FOMC told, uh, told like it went all the way to uh, the SPY went down and then went when SPY went from 398 to like 405, uh, like end of the day, I kind of uh, felt like usually uh, below 407. Uh, I was still thinking the below 407 is going to be more of a bear control. I got it around like 405. Uh, I have seen that thing. It wasn't moving. Mm-hmm. And like then today morning, uh, like when it opened red, like it was about 90% up. So that's when I was not able to make a decision to hold. Uh, uh, right. Uh, so. Sell. Okay, so 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 number one, you know, don't beat yourself up too much about that position because you had profit, you made a conscious decision to take it before 
maybe you gave some profit back. Um, but in this case specifically, you know, if I made 90 plus percent on a position and I had multiple contracts and if you're looking at historically this year, we have continuation from the Fed speak. So the day after he talks, whether it's a green day or a red day, there's always some continuation um, unless there's some kind of catalyst. So if I'm looking at it from your perspective in that specific trade, I think to myself, okay, I have a risk-free position, meaning I have five or six, six contracts that are paid for. I can hold these overnight and not be worried if I'm going to lose money because this is all profit they're paid for, you know, from the gains I claimed on the other contracts that I sold. So I can observe what's happening um, at pre-market the following day and I can make a determination, okay, should I hold these after the open or should I just get rid of them as soon as the market opens? So for me, I would be looking for, if I'm short, I'd be looking for key rejections. So I would set my fibs from the recent high to where it's opening, or you could use your opening range break from the pre-market low to pre-market high. You could look for invalidation from a gap fill. So whenever the spy gaps up or down, look at where the look at where the spy closed. So if I'm not in danger, and if you're looking at it that way, spy rejected the gap fill this morning. And then we saw the bearish trend continue for the rest of the day until it found support on 388.74. So if you add a couple of things to your plan pre-market or after hours the day before, you can kind of tell yourself, okay, I, I'm not risking my money to do this. And I have a plan in place. If it breaks yesterday's closing price because we gapped down, then I'll get out of my position. But if it doesn't, then I'm going to I'm going to let it unfold. I'm going to see what happens. And then by the time it opened, we were severely down and it just kept on going down and then you would have made a little bit more money. But at the end of the day, it sounds like you made the right choices, so I wouldn't be too, you know, I wouldn't be too I wouldn't spend too much time harping on what could have been and celebrate the win because, you know, like we study our losses, Absolutely, it's important to yeah. celebrate your wins too. That way, that way you can look at look back at that trade and, and see obviously focus on what you did right and then work on you know making that repeatable you know what you saw in that setup you would take it again so I appreciate the uh, the question man thank you so much I think you might have dropped oh, <laughs> unfortunately <man. laughs> yeah we we're talking I think all of a sudden I looked I went to go I was like wait where's he at yeah he disappeared right, go ahead uh, Perry Wink Perry Wynn. oh he's in the listener. Perry Winkle. Perry Winkle. What's good again? So, thank you so much. No, thank you guys. Uh, I got three bullet points. So. Um, one is um, what books do you guys recommend? Two, uh, what starting capital do you recommend starting off with a cash account? And number three, um, I believe like trading is eighty percent mental and twenty percent like technical analysis. So, what are some like external trading habits that you guys do to prepare mentally for for trading? So I know, like, for sure, Drip starts off with some booze and some RBs. So, like, what do you guys personally do? <laughs> <laughs> um, Drip isn't here, but he'll love that. Uh, yeah, we'll be, we'll be sure to let him know. Um, so so books, um, I'm actually going to po- post a tweet with a bunch of books um, after the space here. Um, yeah. I'll we, have, categor- we, have a, we have a library we kind of kind of keep track of. Um, I have share with the uh, Keanu. We have like a uh, like a, a Google Drive where we ha- we try to get as many PDF books as we can. So like anything with volume profile analysis. I know Anna Cooling is an author. 
Um, Fibs mentioned, if you, if you want to learn about Fibonacci, he posted on his last space when we had him speaking, he posted a, a book that helped him learning Fibonacci. Um, obviously, we, we mentioned today, exclusive mentioned today, we probably mentioned a lot, but Trading in the Zone is a great book, you know, for the Bro, I love aspect. that book. Yeah, working yeah. on that one. And then uh, Keanu, like for motivational stuff, uh, anything David Goggins, um, look him up if you don't know. Uh, he just had a book that just got released. Uh, very great for motivational. You know, obviously, it, it doesn't, it, it can apply to everything in life. And obviously, it'll help you in, in trading as well. Beautiful. And what was the what was the second thing? Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, so, what's a recommended starting capital for trading? Like I would five hundred. I mean, I honestly, this is where it gets tricky. I wouldn't say there there exists a specific predetermined amount that anyone should start with. I would suggest if you're planning to get into the market, make sure it's with money you're willing to lose. Meaning, if you were to go to a casino and put everything on your favorite number, you don't care what happens. But if you win, you win. So if you can trade with money that you're willing to lose, that's half the battle of the psychology because you're not worried about losing it. People get emotional when it's money that they should have spent on their Christmas gifts for their children. Or it's something that they should have bought a textbook with. Or whatever the case yeah, is. Yeah, that that attachment and, and it kind of like you know you can't be you can't be trading your rent money when you know rent's due. You know Ooh, that that, that added oh. pressure, that added pressure. It's like you do not want that. You know you're gonna you're not gonna be able to trade uh, with sound mind and stick to your trading right. plan when that's at stake. In fact, I'd be sweating, man. If that's my rent money, oh man, I'd be sweating to press that button. Yeah, you can't be like, that's oh, it. this is SPX here, green, green or red, <laughs> rent on the line. Where am I gonna sleep? Yeah, 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 yeah. On the streets, okay, for sure. And yeah, um, so that, that one, yeah, that one's kind of, you know, like I'm with exclusive. There's no, there's no right amount. You kind of like, if you're not sure what I would recommend, if you have time or you're up for it, um, try to try to do some paper trading. Like, let's say you, you were thinking about, you know, Hey, I'll start with two grand, see what you can do with, with two grand paper trading and, and see, you know, get comfortable, get, get that confidence up. See if your, your trading plan works, you can get it consistent and repeatable and see what you can, what you can grow that paper account to. And, um, hopefully that'll help you prepare when you're actually ready to trade live. Yeah, because um, love it. Yeah, execution is also a part of that um, statistic. You know, so it's mm-hmm. not it's not just psychology. It's not just um, you know, it, it's not just technicals. It's not just fundamentals. It's not just macros. You also got to be able to execute your trades quickly, and you're only going to do that by being familiar with your broker. If it takes you two minutes to find a trade and execute it, how can you how can you potentially you know, how can you assume that you'll potentially be profitable? Because if it takes you too much time, you can, if you're trading options, that can be detrimental to your, your ROI, your return on investment. So yeah, that's where paper trading comes in handy, where I recommend using paper trading specifically to familiarize yourself with a broker. Because, you know, with paper, you may say to yourself, oh, well, it doesn't matter what happens to this money. I know it's not real money, blah, blah, blah. But it does affect you it makes you take bigger risks than you would if it was your real money. So, um, you know, just use it to familiarize yourself with your broker. And then like he was saying, make sure you can consistently take your, you know, 10, 20% profits consistently cut your trades. If they go against you at small losses and over time, then you can graduate to putting your real money in that 
Maybe you were going to buy a car part or something, or maybe you were going to buy a Barbie doll. I don't know. You know, <laughs> yeah, maybe just some Barbies. The, the reps, just the reps itself, it helps, you know, obviously, you know, because it's like, how, how does someone practice trading without risking, you know, their live, their live cash? Obviously, paper trading is the only way you can do it. Uh, you know, as you have to, you have to also treat it as if it were your real money, though, like to get the full benefit. I know Jordan, uh, he, he paper traded for a year before you fully started going cash and, and he'll tell you right now it's like if you don't if you don't treat it like it was your actual money then you're not going to really benefit as much from it as you would you know if, if you did that stick to that mentality so like that's one thing you know he always stresses like if you're going to go that route obviously education is really important but if you want to start paper trading right away you got to treat it like it's, it's like your actual money like you know yeah don't do what i did yeah <laughs> oh yeah what'd you do Man, I, I just went in with ten grand because I, I was going to buy some, you know, at the time, I had a little two-door coupe sports car, and I wanted to buy an exhaust system. I wanted oh, to upgrade the turbos. You know, I, w- I was going to put God 10 grand damn. into it, and I was like, I was like okay. you know what, let me it, just. Exclusive wanted a, wanted a street racer. Yep, I did, man. I was in my early 20s. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But, you know, but I put yeah, more love it, yeah. and I assumed I knew everything, and I didn't know anything about anything, and I lost most of my money. Shoot, oh, yeah, we appreciate the question. Man. I think I think we have Gomez. I, I might have to cut it off there. Sorry, sorry yeah, no, for sure. Um, it's kind of running a little uh, later than we expected, but let me let me get you in, uh, Gomez. Probably might be the last one here, and then we'll do the next one. So, uh, I just wanted to say thanks a lot. Uh, me and my girlfriend have been listening in for a couple of days now, and it's really just helped our mentalities a lot. Um, you guys are super positive and um, I really just, I dig the vibe that you guys have on spaces every morning. So just thank you very much. I don't, no, no questions, just gratitude. Awesome, man. Thank you guys for the support. Obviously like we wouldn't do these if, you know, like we mentioned earlier, if, if it's not helping anybody, you know, like we would still be doing them, but we're, we're, we're glad it is reaching out to some of you guys and, and hopefully lots of you are able to benefit from it. You know, we got some, some excellent traders up here and so they're doing their thing. Yeah, I can't look, I'm, so. I'm looking forward to tomorrow a lot. So thank you very much. Yeah, no, yeah, no man, sorry. That's a hey, kudos to you, man. Couples that trade together, grow together. That's awesome. Yeah. And I'm sorry, uh, Josh, let me get you in here. I totally forgot you were, you've been patiently waiting to let me get you in probably as the last one. Oh, no problem, man. Sorry about that. Yeah. I, you ah, got no. snuck at the top. I kind of slipped, <laughs> slipped up on my, on my phone. Ah, right? no I didn't worries, see you. Brother. I appreciate everything you guys do. So I joined a little late, so just got answered and just let me know and I can always go back and replay. But, uh, I just want to get your thoughts on this. I played puts today. Uh, I market open and I lost money. Uh, yeah, I know. How did that happen? Right. So, so basically I played 394 spy uh, puts at open and uh, I don't like zero DT. So I played one day out. Uh, so Fridays and I'm curious on something. The, usually I play like weeklies a little further out. So I'm new to playing shorter term. And I noticed it was moving extremely fast, that market open. I'm talking about it was going positive to negative, negative to positive, uh, big, big moves back and forth. Uh, and so I couldn't really get a, a vibe on it, right? I mean, don't want it to go too low, you know, and then maybe the market doesn't go down like I'm thinking it does, and then I lose a lot, and you know, that whole thing. So, I, you know, I just sell. So question is, would it benefit to just go a little further out with SPY in terms of maybe instead of 
Thursday and Friday DTs to go out to Monday or Tuesday of next week, or because of that crazy, you know, the, the price action right when the market opens, would it be better to probably just eliminate trading within that first maybe five to 10 minutes altogether until the price just settles down? Because I was trying to hit limits and then the price was going under the limits. I was trying market sales at one point mm-hmm. and it was cashing me out negative, even though it showed I was in a positive. So I just want to get your thoughts on that. Well, first, we appreciate you. We appreciate your questions. That's uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, what I would say um, initially, you know, it's good that you're trading further out because you have uh, a slower movement in the premium. So it's a lot easier to manage. But the reason why um, SPY was moving so crazy at the very open was because it was on a major uptrend. And the Bears wanted to... They wanted to get a couple of candles to close below. Bulls wanted to defend it. And it was also right around the pre-market um, lows. So they were trying to keep it down. So if you're looking at um, a technical perspective, would be to you know draw your fibs from yesterday's high and um, you know have some extensions or expansions. If you don't know what those are, um, the article on my Twitter feed has a portion of that where you can read it. It's free. Just go look and read it. Awesome. But you can see it's a, it's going to be an extension of where the Fibonacci levels anchor and a little bit more. So it kind of gives you those areas of confluence where you can say, okay, well, there's obviously there's one or two levels right around 393 and 392. So if I have puts maybe I'll wait for one of those two levels to break and close below. And when I say close below, I'm talking about like a three or five or 10 minute candle. Okay. And you know, that, that allows you to stay in the trade a little bit longer, but if you're managing your risk and keeping your losses small, you know, just, just cut it before the loss gets too big. But yeah, you have to understand that these violent moves happen in the first 15 minutes of the market and the last 15 minutes of the market, because that's where the most volume is coming in and out of the market. Okay. So waiting, you know, 10, 15, 20, maybe even 30 minutes might give you some relief um, stress-wise. So you, because of the prices aren't going to be moving as violently on, on the options. Okay. So um, that might help you in general. But, you know, the fact that you're already trading a little bit further out at the open means that you're aware. And that's, that's already a plus to take you know, to the bank. Okay. So that, that's yeah, good. Giving, giving yourself that time is, is important. So. Right. Well, see, that was the whole thing um, with a lot of the tribe been trading for about two years. And most of my training came from, like you said, give yourself more time, help with data decay and all that. But since joining spaces recently, I know a lot of people have been saying, well, you know, there's an advantage to playing closer to the money, maybe not zero DTE, but you know, at least with SPY and QQQ, maybe one, two days out, uh, you know, take advantage of that, you know, uh, a strong move in either direction. So the FIB makes a lot of sense. I'm going to start doing that because, as you said, because I saw the price moving rapidly up and down, it shook me. Where if I would have just stayed in, you know, I doubt Theta would have killed me, uh, you know, 100% within that short amount of time. I would have banked pretty well. But like you said, if I would have did fibs, it would have gave me more confidence. Now, 
if you're playing closer to money, but you're still giving yourself time, like let's say to Monday or even next Friday, does that really affect uh, how much money you're making? Uh, as long as you, you know, you got your direction right, or is that actually an advantage compared to maybe playing two days out or three days out? Yeah, I mean, th- this this kind of goes to um, the subject of Greeks and how they okay. affect the premium. Gotcha. And every strike is priced differently because it's based on time and the underlying asset. Right. So, you know, your delta is obviously going to be higher if it's closer at or in the money. Right. And it's going to pay more if you're correct sooner. So if you're a week out, and you're close to in the money, and then you wind up going in the money, you're going to make more money because right. it costs more to trade because you're making a bigger bet. So when you see these people or institutions buying, you know, 2023 20, and 2024 20, <laughs> options in, in the millions, right. it's because they're banking on a short term move, but they're trading further out because it's more money. So it's okay. the same concept. But they're saying. just buying, yeah, more expensive premium. Right. So, yeah. See, I'm typically a scalper. I'll go in, get my five, ten, fifteen percent. But you know, sometimes I'll buy a week to two weeks out, just you know, to scalp within five, ten minutes. Uh, yeah. So it sounded like for my strategy, maybe I should still stick with the weekly. But in the past, I was buying more out the money. So it sounds like from what you guys are saying my strategy could be improved a ton by still giving myself time, but just buying closer to in the money or at the money, basically when these moves happen. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's mainly going to be a decision of do I want to spend more money and make it slower or spend less money (laughs) and potentially make money faster. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. But you know, if you're, if you're trading further out expirations, Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, yeah, go ahead. If you're trading further out expirations, your main, your primary goal should be, I want a risk-free position to leave on the table for a longer time. So if I have 10 contracts, my goal is to make two or three of them risk-free by making money on the rest. Oh, okay. And leaving it on the table. Yeah, I want to get to that point where I can, I only play one contract, so... Uh, right. Small, so you're never so, only so really dollar account. So keep yeah. Mind. So that's that's a different that's a different perspective altogether. Right. So if you're buying single contracts, you know the benefit of trading a further out of the money with one contract is the premium moves slower, but okay. it costs yeah, more to yeah. trade. Right. So, right. So I may get less trades per day, but a, a better quality trade if everything else is lined up. Obviously, because as yeah. you know, there's it's more than just you know, choosing the right strike, you know, you got to get the price right, direction. Yeah, track, it's a little so bit easier to manage, there. if you will. Right. Okay. And I think that's what I'm looking for because that rapid speed, man, that, that, yeah, that equaled a pretty decent. I mean, you've, you've seen, that, man, we've, so. we've made, you know, 500% in 10 minutes. It's just the zero yeah, yeah, are that. extremely violent. <laughs> so, blow yeah. my mind. I was wondering how you guys pulled that off. It's you crazy. Know, I'm used to seeing three, four, 5%. You know, and then I come into spaces, so, you know, oh, ah, you know, 500, 300. I'm like, oh, okay. No biggie there. Right. So, but no, uh, really helpful, guys. So, uh, yeah, no, I keep doing what it, you're man. doing. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, brother. As long as you stay consistent, man, don't worry about the percentages, it'll come. So, All stick right. to that, Thanks, stick brother. to your trading plan. But yeah, man, I appreciate everybody for hopping on. Sorry, I, I, I uh, we kind of running a little over than uh, we expected. We try to get as many speakers as we can. 
uh, with the Q and A section. But I think we're we're gonna wrap it up. Um, if I if I couldn't get you on this one, uh, stay tuned for the next one. We'll try and bring you in the next Q and A. But um, yeah, thank you so much, exclusive. You killed it, man. I think everybody, you know, a lot of good comments coming out. Um, really appreciate you sharing, you know, all your knowledge with the yeah. with the spaces tonight, man. I love it. We'll yeah, keep no, thanks it, for having me, man. We keep doing these. I wanted to feature you because you know maybe people, you know, they see you every day on live fam. I'm like, well, let's you know, let's find out more about exclusive. Maybe those that aren't aware, you know, of your history. So it's great you're able to share that with everybody. Yeah, absolutely. No, and I appreciate everyone that's listening and. You know, everyone that listens to this after the fact, because I was DMing a couple of people that said they couldn't make it to the space. Is it going to be recorded? So it's recorded so people can listen to it. Absolutely. If you miss something and you want to hear it again, you can re-listen. So, you know, there's there's a couple of golden nuggets and we appreciate you guys for tuning in. I know there's a lot of craziness going on. So, you know, it's not going to stop any of us from doing what we love to do. And, yeah. you know, some of the comments and DMs I get and all other people get it, you know, it makes it worth it. So. I appreciate you yeah, guys. We just appreciate, appreciate everybody you. supporting us. You know, we'll keep doing these. And uh, this is recorded. So once once this ends, I'll I'll, I'll share the link and uh, uh, exclusively can post it. Yep. Drop it. <laughs> <laughs> Drop it. But yeah, I appreciate everybody for hopping on. Obviously, the squad that came through earlier, everybody always supporting it. Um, and uh, we'll see you guys in the morning. All right, guys. Have a good night, everybody. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Bye.